Next on BYU Sports Nation, you stay classy, San Diego. BYU Hoops hosts the team that blew up last season. Will major changes for the Cougars bring major payback? Will the 2020 BYU football schedule be any easier than 2019? Plus, our investigative statistical special on the 2019 BYU quarterbacks. What did we discover on the road to a loaded 2020 rundown? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, January 15th, wherever and however you're... No, it's Thursday. It's, it's a game 16th, day. It's the yeah. 16th of January. Push Where, it forward, baby. Let's go. Wherever and however you're connected, it's great to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the number one hype man for BYU Volleyball, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, we had a couple of matches over the weekend, and it was great to be back there. Really fun. BYU dominated Penn State. Always always good to do that. So there's a sign of us promoting BYU Sports Nation, a banner that's courtside. During the women's season, Mary Lake made this great save and avoided crashing into it. So it's behind Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, and it's right in front of the BYU student section called the, the Rock. So that BYU Volleyball tweeted last night, mood every time Gabby goes back to serve. It's you and I in a, a picture of us cheering. Yeah. Uh-huh. Which... Which is awesome, right? And that is our mood every time Gabby goes back to surf. <laughs> I would like to point out and reiterate what happened on uh, Monday, I believe, which is, so we were on the, the back of the cover for football. Maybe you saw this. You, by yourself, in that photo, were on the back of the basketball program on Monday. I or, did sorry, not from s- Saturday night. I did it's not right, see it's this. It's right over there. It's right over there. Okay. So it was just you, and I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you will have your moment in the sun alone on the back of a program, I'm sure. Probably not. At some no, point. No, I'm the lowly producer. Stop it. Stop coaches it. Shows. No, you're the number one hype man of BYU Volleyball. I am? Yes. There you are. See? So it's just you <laughs> on the small one. Why are you covered up on the big magazine? Because I'm the Jaron Hall of this program. <laughs> but... Will Jaron Hall be the starter in 2020? One of many things. We're going we're gonna to break it down. We're going to go into today. Today begins, and you're going to talk about this in a sec, but today begins uh, our weekly look at a position group on the football team. We want to talk football all offseason, all season. It's going to be awesome. So, so some, the stat of the day later, shocking. Whoa. Shocking. Whoa. Regarding yeah. uh, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Shocking. Our lowly producer, Jerem, found an incredible stat. Just a producer. <laughs> Talent who produces. We're yeah. looking back to push forward. Yes, on the BYU quarterbacks. We'll go deep blue with Zach Selyus and his mustache. That deserves a deep blue special in and of itself. Just, just no, his no, facial no, hair. No, 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 no. I kid. No. I kid. Great <laughs> stuff there. And our latest and one picks. Are we still tied or... No, you have a two-point Oh, that's right. Lead. I yeah, took yeah. a two-point lead. You got a uh, – That's right. You made – you missed the free throw, but you made the I shot. I made the to shot. Get to the free throw line. See, what's interesting about that is I thought that I had got the second pick correct. I, I had mixed them up in my mind. Yeah. No, you got the first one. Oh, hey. yeah. All right. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Let's hoop it up tonight. BYU basketball host San Diego at the Marriott Center. The Cougars 9-0 all-time at home versus the Toreros. And, yes, we all remember what happened the last time these teams met. 
Does that mean it's a payback special tonight for the Cougars? Radio pregame starts at 8 Eastern on BYU Radio. You can watch the game live at 9 Eastern on BYU TV. Billy Childs continues to be out a week or two in his timetable of returning. Yesterday after practice, Mark Pope addressed more details about Yoli Childs. You know, you can imagine having that injury. And then it's not just like walking around or being able to flex your finger or anything like that. It's about like taking a big time hit or grabbing the ball or dunking the ball or like those things are the things that probably are going to take longer than actually the skin healing. So he's ah, out yes. a week or two. And uh, yeah, it's all about the puncture healing at this point. Just get better, Yoli. Get better, man. No, and no rush, right? We decided this yesterday. Do not rush back. Yeah. But Rush, the band, awesome. <laughs> yes. According to an article from The Athletic, BYU assistant head football coach and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb is a candidate for the vacant head football coaching position at Hawaii. Nick Rolovich off to Washington State to replace Mike Leach, who is now at Mississippi State. Lamb has previous head coaching experience at Southern Utah from 2008 to 2015. He is the primary BYU recruiter on the island, so he knows and, it well. And I read that he taught himself Tongan so that he could speak Tongan with uh, you know, recruits at, at times. So interesting. We'll see how that develops. And women's basketball plays at Pacific tonight. The Cougars are 6-2 and two all-time in Stockton. BYU won by three there last season. This is an important game for BYU women's basketball if they hope to finish in the top four of the West Coast Conference. That'd be nice because a uh, reminder on how the uh, tournament seeding and buys go. You can get a triple buy all the way to the semis or a double buy to the uh, quarterfinals like you're mentioning. Top four would be nice. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. I'm not sure I've experienced a worse moment in the city of Las Vegas than what happened last March with BYU basketball against San Diego. It was an all-time low for the Cougars. I mean, I have not seen BYU basketball play that poorly probably since the Cougars went 1-25 in in the 1996-97 season. Shout out to John Moella. Holy cow. It, it was the worst. BYU couldn't make a shot. They couldn't make a free throw. They couldn't do anything right, and they kept turning the ball over, all resulting in a huge blowout victory for San Diego, a team that BYU beat twice in the regular season. With that in mind, everything has changed for BYU basketball since that moment. Mm-hmm. Everything was blown up. Coaching staff is totally different. Roster looks almost entirely different because of people that have come over and people that have left, Nick Emery. We asked BYU basketball yesterday during media specials, uh, the media availability rather, if this is payback for last year's West Coast Conference quarterfinal. You'll hear from Connor Harding in a moment, but Jeremy, I want your opinion first. Is this payback for last year? No. No, it's not. Um, For some of the players, perhaps. Uh, But this is a totally new staff. It's a new team. BYU's in the NCAA tournament at the moment and likely will be when the season ends. And I I don't think it necessarily was that big of a catalyst for change per se. I think the season was that individual game, albeit the final one. Yeah, that was a a big loss, and it was to San Diego, right, and whatnot. Um, I'm going to go kind of no on this. I think the new staff and having seven seniors and – the, the, bigger, the bigger payback is against the fact that BYU hasn't been good enough, hasn't made the NCAA tournament the last four years. That's bigger. It's, it's also, we don't want to give San Diego that much credit for the change. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't San Diego. We're not going, oh, the San Diego. So I'll go no on this. Okay. Listen to what Connor Harding said, then I'll give you my opinion. 
It's, it's just payback, though. You know, you, they kicked us out of the tournament and WCC tournament and, you know, our, all of our hopes. And so, you know, I think that's why coaches on edge a little bit, too, is, you know, that's a, it's a time to answer the call and, and to get back at them. All right. I don't know how much payback is involved because the personnel changes, as you pointed out on San Diego, are so different. It's like a brand new team. I mean, there's no Isaiah Pinheiro coming through. And it could be the same exact through. team, yeah. and I'd feel the same way. Really? Yeah. Okay. If if San Diego had some of the same players coming back, it's it's like almost a complete turnover. It just feels different. That said, Connor's right. He still remembers the feeling that losing in the West Coast Conference brought last season to BYU basketball. So I understand his perspective there. It's just because out of the playing tournament. San Diego. Yeah, they knocked yeah. us out of the tournament. In the offseason, he wasn't like, dude, the San Diego lost. We were way motivated. No, it was the season. No, but I did ask him if it shaped how he approached the offseason because of the bad taste left in the mouth, and that was a factor. So I, there is some measure of payback, but it's not a ton. Right. It's not it's, a ton. It's not the – yeah, and it's not the kind of reason for the change this year. Does BYU need to beat San Diego to – Exercise the demons from the WC's quarter. Sure, whatever motivation you need, use it. How about this for motivation? A stat. BYU is 9-0 and this season when allowing fewer than 70 points. San Diego averages 66.6. Well, that's really low, and that stinks. And they're not very good this year. <laughs> so know? that's good news for BYU basketball. Also, the game's in Provo, and San Diego's never won in Provo. Yeah, the NCAA will tell you that BYU's 7-0 against San Diego. The reality is that BYU's 9-0. Yep, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Topic two. 2019 is over. We can assess how BYU's 2020 teams did in 2019 and look ahead of the 2020 schedule. So, Spencer, will the 2020 BYU football schedule be easier than 2019? I hope it's easier. Good (laughs) grief. 2019 was so tough. BYU finished the 7-6. and They did pick up some good wins at Tennessee. They beat USC. They beat Boise State. But then you wonder how much they had left in the tank because they lose to San Diego State and Hawaii to close out the season. Both 10-win teams. And in the middle of it, lose at Toledo and USF. So just kind of a weird roller coaster season. But it was tough. Nine bowl-eligible teams on the schedule. Because it's hard to make a bowl game. No, it's not. All you have to do is go 500. 80 teams make a bowl game. 80, dude. It's not hard. You can be exactly mediocre. It's like 60% of college football that makes a bowl game. It's gnarly. Okay? Yeah, and in some instances, you don't even have to be 500 to make a bowl game. No, I feel you like a team that's 6-6 and better than a losing record. Yes, yes. I get it. BYU played a tough schedule. Now, this question is based off of the way-too-early top 25 for next season that ESPN's put out, Sports Illustrated has put out, and there is a consensus there that BYU will play two ranked teams when the season begins. It's Minnesota. And Boise State. Both oh, okay. Not Utah. Right around not, 18 to 20 for both Michigan of those State, teams. Not Michigan no. State, no. not Missouri, not yeah. Stanford. So Utah is bringing back a brand new team because they graduate their quarterback, their running back. Yeah, and as you said, Jeremy, Michigan ten, State. It's 10 starters on defense. Arizona State. Houston's going to have a new quarterback. Derek King is transferring. Utah State, what are they going to be? Missouri's kind of in the basement of the SEC. San Diego yeah. State has to come to Provo. And Stanford wasn't great last year either. It was an off year. So 
Will it be easier? Jeremy, I think it will be. I'm looking at all these names. I think the schedule next year will actually be easier than what BYU faced in 2019. Wrong. Really? Here's, here's what I think. Okay. Uh, and who knows? It, we have to project and guess. Otherwise, we wouldn't have much to say here, right? Um, I think it's harder. Here's why. You have two more Power 5 teams. Granted, they're winnable games. But a power and mediocre Power 5 team is better than a mediocre Group of 5 team or decent group really? of 5 Really? Because right? BYU beat some pretty good Power 5 teams and lost to some mediocre Group of 5 teams in 2019. And lost, well, <laughs> lost to some good Power 5 teams, too. Um, yeah, at Utah, I'm never going to think BYU's going to win that game until they win it. Just I've been jaded too much by the streak. Right? Understandable. And BYU's up 20 points. Understandable. Two years ago. Michigan State, always tough, 7-6 and six last year. Always Winnable tough. game, it's in Provo. Winnable game, yeah. I th- every, every game on the schedule is winnable. Maybe at Minnesota is going to be the most challenging. That's a team that comes back probably top 15. Did we feel that way about the 2019 schedule? Every game's winnable. No. No. We didn't think, I didn't think Washington was winnable, and we thought Utah was winnable. Okay. It wasn't. Which is, again, why I'm leaning towards 2020 being easier. Yeah. Two quality uh, G5s, Boise State and San Diego State, right? Okay. Other G5s, Utah State and Houston. Here's the thing. You remember November? It was just like, this is easy. This is easy. Until San Diego State, BYU had three gimmies. BYU only has one gimme this year. I think that plays into this. I think that BYU is going to sit in the five to seven win range somewhere in there. This is a tough schedule again. Yet, I wouldn't be shocked if BYU won eight. But they have some things to figure out, notably at quarterback, which we'll discuss later. I, I think it's important to acknowledge uh, just at Boise State, BYU isn't one in the blue. Is this the year? Does BYU end the streak against Utah? BYU is this close from being a five-win team and this close from being a nine-win team, right? Mm, mm. They're hovering in that seven win distinction the last two years, and winning a couple of close ones will change that. But six power fives ago, ugh, here we go again. Four on the road, uh, sorry, four to start, three on the road. BYU had three or four at home, right? That's how you go two and two. Whew. Yet BYU won at Tennessee. They got one of those big road wins Yeah, early. BYU always does. They just don't get enough. They lost to Utah at home and then went and beat Tennessee. I mean, go figure. And at the time, Tennessee stunk. They just lost to Georgia State. That was a winnable game. What's so tough about this is we make our projections based off of the last thing we saw from each of these programs, right? And sure. then whoa, that's all we know. coming yeah. back, we, not, we don't know, and that's the beauty of it. We don't know how good or how bad or how mediocre all of these teams are going to be. But I, based on what BYU faced in 2019, because we have the 2020 vision to look back on that and say, okay, we know what those teams were. Yeah, 2020 vision. I I don't know that 2020 will be as difficult as 2019. Is BYU going to face nine bowl-eligible teams? Then win eight games. Then win eight Let's games. Let's go. I'm all for so it. So if they don't win eight games, then it's a failure then, if it's, e- if it's easier. If they win seven, then it's equally as difficult as the 2019 schedule? Or BYU wasn't as good. Okay. Right? All we, right. We talked about the opponents. We didn't talk about how BYU will fail. Sure. Change is needed for BYU football to get better, which takes us to topic three. On the staff, and it's kind of late in the game because – Winter ball, spring football starts relatively soon. Like six weeks. What needs to be addressed during the very short offseason within the BYU football coaching staff? The worst kept secret in BYU football is that Aaron Roderick was involved with the play calling, right? In in, uh, some capacity, whether it was him working with Jeff Grimes or Jeff, right? And and, uh, 
Jeff Grimes was the offensive coordinator. I would like some clarification this offseason regarding that situation. Is Jeff Grimes the primary play caller? Is he the OC? Typically, those are the same person. Those could be different in theory. Or is it a collaborative effort? And they're co-offensive coordinators. Right. Just say it. I want to know what the situation is, right? It was teased, but I'd love to know what it is. Defensively, Kalani Sataki, one of the best defensive coordinators when he was at Utah, right? At BYU. BYU's been pretty good defensively. What happened when BYU was 2-4? and Kalani Sataki had a major role with the defense. uh, I'd love to see his imprint on the defense at a higher level because he's so good with the defense. Yet, one thing that sticks out for me is defensive line. BYU still has issues getting tackles for loss and sacks. Now, you could argue, well, the ball comes out quick. It's game to game. BYU's dropping eight, depending on the guy. This is for stats for a whole season and relative because everyone else is playing teams that get the ball out quick too, right? BYU was 14th worst in sacks and tackles for loss. This has not been a strength. If you can get pressure on the quarterback with four, it changes everything. Then you don't have to uh, blitz. You don't have to drop eight, or you can drop seven, right, all the time. I want to see that addressed. Jeff Grimes did a really good job with the offensive line once he went down to the field at the midway point, by the way. And he was enjoying himself, and the players were enjoying it more with him on the field. Pro Football Focus says BYU had the 12th best offensive line. I doubt it was that when BYU was two and four. I would love to see Jeff Grimes more involved with the offensive line. I think he did a great job there. Uh, and BYU still had offensive issues uh, in terms of FBS ranks and stuff. Uh, you could weight it against a tough schedule. BYU's schedule at, in the end was like in the 50s or 60s, so it wasn't like top 20, right? I would love to see BYU offensively take a step forward. And then special teams. Can Jake Olderoyd get back? Can BYU coach Jake Olderoyd to mentally get back to that place where he was 10 of 11 through the first four? He was amazing. Yeah, there are three primary positions within the staff that I want some clarification on. You hit, first of all, on the offensive coordinator position. Like, what's happening there? Are they co-offensive coordinators? Are we going to see more of the same? Aaron Roderick in the booth, Jeff Grimes on the field. Is that, is that how it's going to be pushing forward? BYU did some nice things when that happened. I don't know how much of that was based on different starting quarterbacks <laughs> being on the field at that time when Baylor Romney had to start against Boise State because that's when that change happened, right? And BYU's 2-4 and four and feeling like, oh, gosh, we got to save the season. Let's change something. Right? So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see what happens there. I'm with you on that. There are two names and positions on the defensive side that I'm really interested in. One, Ed Lamb. Is he going to be at BYU? Is he going to be the head coach at Hawaii for crying out loud? Again, The Athletic releases an article that says he is a candidate for the open position left by Nick Rolovich. I think Hawaii would be dumb not to pursue Ed Lamb with his knowledge of the islands and his recruiting out there and his experience. And he was a coach at Southern Utah for seven years. So is Ed Lamb going to be back? And if he's gone, how does that affect special teams? How does that affect the linebackers? Okay, so- I'd, be su- I'd be surprised if Ed Lamb to, uh, is the Hawaii head coach. I would. Okay. Okay. Then there's Elisa Tuiaki. And I want to draw a comparison to Bronco Mendenhall and uh, what he dealt with when he was at BYU. There was a time when Bronco just wanted to be the head coach, right? And he gave more freedom to defensive coaches. Okay. So Nick Cal takes over and Jaime Hill in 2010. And then BYU starts one and four and Bronco's like, okay, I've seen enough. He's the best defensive coordinator that BYU had. Yeah. So he comes back, takes it over. Yeah, Jaime Hill in that. Yeah, Jaime Hill. Correct. Mm-hmm. So then Bronco is the guy. But even when he was had Nick Howell in his, uh, I guess when he was tutoring Nick Howell, 
it was not full go. Like, hey, you're fully yeah, the defensive coordinator. Nick was coordinator. the defensive coordinator, but the play caller was Bronco. Was Bronco, correct. So can that situation exist here? Yes. Will Is that going to be the situation for Elias Tuiaki and Kalani Satake? Or does Kalani just straight up take over the defense, and then when he feels that it's gonna, it's better for Elisa to be more involved, hand it back over? I, I don't know. Or Elisa just coaches the D-line. Like, it depends what Kalani Satake wants. There are a lot of head coaches that are coordinators as well and in the NFL. It happens. So it just depends on the head coach and how he wants to handle it. Yeah. So I think both coordinator positions are top priority, right? Yeah. BYU that, needs to address absolutely. those responsibilities specifically. And I think for their benefit, let everybody know what's happening. And let's be honest. If the coordinator is great, he gets another job, right? Yes. So if you keep your entire staff intact, that is awesome to have that continuity. But it's also a testament to, shoot, is this group – uh, are we progressing? Is this group, are they getting other jobs? Is the coaching tree expanded, right? You want to have an LSU type season because Joe Brady then goes to the Panthers, right? And it was like, you know what? We had our one great season. See ya. And hopefully that can happen with BYU where they break out and they have this amazing season. And you do lose some coaches because yeah. they're really good. I know. And I think the coaches are quality now. I'm just saying, you're not going to get plucked from a 7-6 and six team a lot. Yeah. I know coaches want full autonomy, and that was the whole idea for Kalani Satake was, I want to trust my guys. I want them to be able to do what they can do best. Sometimes it's okay to step in and be like, I'm going to take control for a little while. Right. When BYU was 2-4, and four, there was a great sense of urgency for Kalani. Am I going to still have this job? So he steps in and makes change. If you're not good enough, you got to do something different. And BYU needs to be better, especially with the schedules. Staying tough, six power fives next year. Our question of the day, will the 2020 BYU football schedule be easier than the 2019 schedule? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Jay Lawrence C. on Twitter. 2020 is definitely a more difficult schedule. There's no guaranteed win streak like BYU had in 2019. Yeah. Liberty, Idaho State, UMass, to get BYU Bowl eligible. BYU is going to need actual victories actual over good teams. Victories. I like our chances. BYU had actual victories over good teams. Three of them that I can count right off the top of my mind in 2019. Yes. Three, as I mentioned Monday, three top 35 wins. Three top 35 wins. But... As you've pointed out wisely, and I, I like it, is those aren't the issues at the moment. BYU's, you know, winning 40% of its games against Power Fives. It's the other games, which we need to look at. Maybe it's the bottom 40 or something. What's BYU's record against non-Power Fives? I'm scared and to why discover this. that at, you know, 80% or something, right? I don't expect BYU to win every group of five game, per se, but a, a high majority, percentage of them. The majority. Yeah. We ex- in our minds, I think we think BYU is like a nine-win team. But the reality is they're a seven-win team. Um, but it, they're this close to being nine, and they're this close to being five. It's because of those flashes of brilliance. And everybody will but always – But that's the high, not the I average. Know. We think Most that's the average. Most people will lean towards that, right? right. BYU's the team that beat USC. No, no, no. BYU's the t- – you know what BYU is? BYU's the team that uh, barely beat – you know, barely hung with uh, Hawaii. That's like the BYU team, and the average. They, need, they can be better. They totally can be better. And And – Make a few adjustments. All right. Hashtag BYUSN if you want to join that combo. Coming up, the latest Deep Blue on Zach Selya. And, yes, we're talking a ton of BYU football today, but specifically we are looking back at the 2019 quarterback production to help us push things forward. Incredible stat coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. 
BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight at 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio, the men's basketball team hosts San Diego, who's never won in Provo, and TJ Haas needs four assists and three steals to become top five in steals, top, uh, excuse me, top five in assists, top ten in steals in those categories in BYU history. Pre-game on BYU Radio begins at 8 Eastern. Looking back to push it forward is the theme of today's show. We'll get to the quarterbacks for BYU football in just a moment. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play alongside Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. We were just talking about the 2020 schedule and comparing it to the 2019 BYU football schedule. Which do you think is ultimately going to be harder? Could the 2020 schedule with all of those big names possibly be a little bit easier than what BYU faced in 2019? There's, a lot, there's a lot of quantity to get yeah. there as well that's interesting. Like If Stanford's better, if Michigan State's better, if Arizona State continues to improve, they were 8-5, what if they're like a 10-win version? Yeah, it could be really hard. Utah is a big question mark as well, but we'll break this down the entire offseason. Yeah, because Utah on paper shouldn't be nearly as good as they were no, in 2019. Not, no, I don't think going into the championship week that they're going to be the first team out. I do not. <laughs> With Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley and 10 starters gone. You don't do think not. they'll be number five in the college football no, playoff? I'm, Paul going I'm pretty sure that was their 1996 right there. Holy cow. 97 is an eight or nine win season. Uh, that said, it uh, ended with a uh, thud, just like BYU's oh, fan- season did. Well, it was fantastic to watch. It really was. <laughs> go, go Oregon and hook them. We are looking back to push it forward. Today's topic, the BYU quarterbacks. Yeah, we're going to do this once a week uh, for the next uh, forever. Um, every position group. Every position group. So we start with quarterback, right? Because it's the number one position in football. So 2019. Holy cow. BYU started three guys. All three won a game as a starter. Uh, Jaron Hall didn't finish either of his starts. Baylor <laughs> Romney did and had the best win all year. Against like, Boise amazingly, State. Against Boise State. You could argue USC with Zach Wilson, Tennessee, da da da. But yeah, it was it was a wild year for the quarterbacks. It was crazy. Another season where BYU starts at least three different quarterbacks. But as you said, all three of the starting quarterbacks are credited with at least one win. Yeah. That's nuts. And it would have been uh it would have been two had had BYU defeated South Florida. With Jaron Hall. Would have been each guy had two. That's true. And BYU had four on the roster with with wins. BYU was only one of only Three teams nationally to say that. Joe Critchlow had wins previously. So as we look back to push forward, what needs to change for the BYU quarterbacks for the Cougars to take that next proverbial step forward? It all, it all starts in, not necessarily ends, but maybe with Zach Wilson. So Zach Wilson played the tough competition. Tanner Mangum had to do it in 2018, and then Zach came in against the easier teams, and now Zach Wilson had to do it with four power fives in a row. Zach's uh, stats uh, weren't as good because he played the tougher teams. Uh, in fact, uh, let's break that down a little bit. Uh, both Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney in limited action had a 150-plus pass efficiency rating. Zach was 130 against tougher competition. And Zach played six teams that won at least eight games. Woo! That's a lot. I've said before, to me, the minimum threshold for a good team in college football is eight wins, regardless of how many games you play. You've got to get to eight. Typically, that's... 12 or 13, right? Sometimes it's 14. Uh, let's break down his performance in those six games. So the four power fives to start the season, Utah and Tennessee and USC and Washington. Two and, and then, two. And then at the end, San Diego State and Hawaii both end up with 10 wins. So 61% passing, 
Good enough. 265 pass yards a game. Good enough. Okay. 6.9 yards per attempt. You want that a little higher in the sevens, hanging around eight. Sure. But the next thing I'm going to tell you is the shocker, which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. And Wilson, six starts versus teams who won eight-plus games, so these are the good teams. He had a total of six touchdowns, three pass, three rush, and nine turnovers. Oh, man. Seven picks and two fumbles lost. One notably at the goal line that probably is a touchdown if they have a car cam, but in the end, it is a fumble. Well, not only that, Jaron, but they were devastating turnovers. How many of those were returned for touchdowns? Toledo is nearly returned for a touchdown, right? Washington, there were few. Uh, Utah, there was one, right? So that's tough. Zach Will, I believe that Zach Wilson can be a quarterback that leads BYU to nine or ten wins. I really do. I would love to see him turn a page. He took a step backwards this year. And how much of that was related to injury concerns and recovering from shoulder surgery? Let's talk about it. So in the first four, Zach Wilson is going up against tough competition. He gets hurt against Toledo, breaks the thumb. He returns later against Idaho State. Kind of struck. Didn't have a great game against Idaho State. Um, And and then blows out UMass. Like you could have had three touchdown passes against UMass. And then um, (laughs) had Zach Wilson stayed in the game, he would have had ten. Like it would have been He would have broken a record if he were but we have isolated the games against a good competition, right? Then he plays San Diego State. Tremendous defense. We talked about it. But only three points. Not enough. BYU failed inside 42 often. Missed some field goals, of course. And then Hawaii. 34 points should be enough to win. But BYU needs one more score there. They, they really do. And third and two. That throw's got to be better, right? Zach Wilson will be the first one to tell you he didn't have a good enough 2019 season. But I believe that Zach Wilson is the future. I believe Zach Wilson will be the starter next year. I believe it should be competitive with Jaron Hall. I believe Baylor Romney will be there as well. But Zach Wilson struggled in the toughest games. He's got to be better. And if BYU's going to play these schedules, you've got to get better quarterback play out of this. Start. Certainly. And just based on how the coaches handled all of the Zach Wilson injury scenarios and recovery scenarios throughout the season, that tells me – that he has been given a longer leash. Like, the patience right. is there with right. him. Like, sure. okay, well, let's have him, let him have a full off season where he's not recovering from shoulder surgery and he's not trying to come back too soon, in my opinion, from a broken thumb. Yes, well, that much was clear, right, against San Diego State. For some reason, it wasn't clear against UMass. It was easy. But against San Diego State, the ball did not come out of his hand the same. Hawaii, it was fine. He had three weeks extra. And it was okay. But he probably had to come back a little early because Jaron Hall was hurt. And because Baylor and, Romney's foot and, was not okay. And we knew this, but couldn't say it. Baylor Romney re-injured his foot during the season. Otherwise, Baylor Romney could have been the starter potentially or come in against San Diego State. Baylor Romney doesn't even warm up against San Diego State. And Jaron Hall is not back from a second concussion. So Zach Wilson, I think, was probably forced into, not forced, but chose to, you know what, I'm not 100%. I can't throw the ball the same, but I'm going to. And I'm not going to say it out loud, but that was probably the situation. And then we saw what happened against San Diego State. Good team, but the ball didn't come out the same. And he had pressure in his face. Yeah, I am convinced that if Baylor Romney were 100% healthy, that Zach Wilson probably wouldn't have played a ton against UMass, and maybe he comes out full bore against San Diego State, but he had already played a full game. He would have had two weeks more to rest exactly, the thumb. Exactly, exactly. Right? He would have had more time to rest the thumb. Baylor Romney and, would have started some more games, yes. and then maybe Zach's a little bit stronger later I, in the season. I wonder with the wrist, that not the thumb, 
the wrist because how how strong could that have been kept over a six to eight week period, right? That'd be tough as well. So that certainly uh, changes things. Um, do you have anything else to talk about, Zach? Because I want to talk about Jaron. We... No, I, I was just going to say, I, I want to give you my quarterback depth chart, but you talk about Jaron first, and then I'm going to give you my quarterback depth chart going into 2020. Jaron Hall is the most intriguing thing about BYU football, in, in my opinion, because we saw what he could do. He was Against Utah State, he's probably going to do a 400-100, which hasn't been done that many times in the history of college football. Not since Taysom Hill against Houston in 2013. At least from BYU, right? Um, Jaron Hall is intriguing. Like, can this guy play against Power 5 teams and win? I'm not sure we're going to find out, barring an injury. I, I think that it's Zach Wilson's job. I think that Jaron Hall is as good of a backup as BYU's had in a while. Maybe since Christian Stewart, right? Um, and Christian Stewart was battling the depression of losing off of 4-0, right? And, and then that was hard. Jaron Hall's intriguing. I, I think Baylor Romney, if he starts for BYU, that's five to seven wins as well. Like, where, the ceiling is highest with Zach Wilson – and Jaron Hall, it's like right there, if not equal to, with Zach Wilson. But we don't know. We've only seen this dude play, what, five quarters? Five Li- quarters as a starter? Limited, yes, limited like three, time. Three and a half, five and a half quarters. It's a limited case study. Yes, and, the, and what we saw against two winnable games was awesome. Okay, so listen to this. BYU, in a weird way, can be like the New Orleans Saints, Jerem. Get jobbed by the refs continually? With their three quarterbacks. Oh, the jobbing by the refs is absolutely <laughs> a parallel with the New Orleans Saints, okay? <laughs> Zach Wilson, Drew Brees, QB1, QB1. It's quite the comp there. I'm, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson okay, is Drew okay, Brees. Okay, okay, Just okay, comparing okay. the scenario. Like, the New Orleans Saints are dealing with a scenario similar to BYU with their three quarterbacks. Baylor Romney, to me, is like Teddy Bridgewater. Not super mobile. Mobile enough, but is... Going to come in, get the job done. Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and in, in uh, his time replacing Baylor Drew needs Brees. needs to wear a glove. Okay. Baylor comes in, beats Boise State, uh, came in against beats Utah Liberty. State in the second half, beats Liberty. All he did was exactly what the coaches asked him to do, reliable backup. Jaron Hall is kind of the Taysom Hill factor. He could do a bunch of things because of his athleticism. They have special packages for Jaron Hall, even when Zach Wilson is healthy in the quarterback. They put Jaron in to run different things and run double passes. BYU has a scenario like the New Orleans Saints. How's it all going to shake out? They should wave Jaron? No, they should not wave Jaron. <laughs> That's but, what's going to happen. But Teddy. I think Jaron Hall is in line because of his concussions and injury status to be more like a Taysom Hill specialty quarterback. Oh, Coming and do things. Baylor Romney. See what he could do. Baylor Romney's more of the Teddy Bridgewater. I think Baylor Romney should be the backup to Zach Wilson, and then Jaron Hall should be the Taysom Hill type player for BYU. Yeah, it's it's quite a stretch. Uh, I mean that that that's in how I would approach view. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah, BYU has two really good quarterbacks. BYU has three starters. Yes. When's, when could we say that the third string? Half the fan base doesn't know the third string's name most of the time, but they do. So BYU's loaded. Also, by the way, Soljay Mayava. Will come in. I anticipate he would probably redshirt, given that none of those three are seniors. So right. it's it's he can wait it. And don't forget Jacob Conover's out there. It's the second year of his mission. Yes, yes, he, it he is. He won't be on the team. Yeah, he won't year. be on the team, but he's he's still out there. So yeah. It's it's an interesting conversation moving forward. As Fivel once said in an American Tale, somewhere out there. Coming up, could a Cougar be drafted professionally while the show is live? <laughs> why, why are you why are you coughing? <laughs> Sorry. You get, uh, got emotional about it? No, it made me laugh. 
And the latest on Yoli Childs and when we can expect him to play again for BYU basketball. Don't rush him back either. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation <coughs> is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand on iTunes. Tune in or Google Play and enjoy On Demand and Subscribe, rate, and please leave a review. His name is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Great to have you with us on BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. Time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Tonight, no no, no Yoli Childs for BYU, or Yo, uh, Yoni, because they flaunted him. Uh, Yoni Childs. Yo-Yo San Diego, 9 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Pre-game an hour earlier on the radio. Yoli Childs, not Yoni Childs. Remains out with a finger injury. It is a compound dislocation he is recovering from. If the timeline given to us by Mark Pope is somewhat accurate, then Yoli Child's first game back, we think, will be somewhere around the time of Pepperdine at home on January 30th. Well, it's a week or two. Football. According to The Athletic, BYU assistant head coach and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb is a candidate for the Hawaii head coaching position. Lamb has been at BYU the past four seasons. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Southern Utah from 2008 to 2012. Women's basketball. BYU women's basketball in Stockton, Jerem's favorite city to take on Pacific. Vacation. Cougars are 14-4 all-time against Pacific, 6-2 in Stockton, but things have not gone well for BYU without their star Shaley Gonzalez. Cougs won by three last year. This is a big game for BYU if they hope to finish in the top four of the West Coast Conference. Game tips at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific. Cougars in the PGA. Adopted Coug Tony Finau and alum Zach Blair competing in the Career Builder Challenge on the PGA Tour. Finau currently 28th, even par. Zach Blair tees off right now. Blair is 50th in the FedEx standings after his first start of the calendar year, taking 63rd in the Sony Open. Back to hole four with Spencer. They're playing in my old stomping grounds in La Quinta. La Quinta! On the stadium course at PGA West. Let's go. Tennis. La Quinta Country Club. The BYU men's tennis team lost 7 to nothing to number 11 UCLA yesterday at the Los Angeles Tennis Center. BYU women's tennis, by the way, picked to finish 6th in the 2020 West Coast Conference preseason poll. Soccer. The NWSL draft is going on right now. BYU players on the list of possible selections include Lizzie Braby, Sabrina Davis, and Danica Sarasco. All right. Let's keep things rolling. We got basketball to discuss because it's a ball night, Jerry. Ball night coming up. And one picks, yo. And our deep blue special with Zach Selyus. You like that mustache? Yeah, I don't really either. This is BYU Sports Station. You like that? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday night, watch 15th-ranked BYU Gymnastics host 5th-ranked UCLA. How about that? And Utah State, live on BYU TV, 8 Eastern time. Hey, the Cougars ranked after one match, and it's literally based on merit. That's what's interesting about gymnastics. Yeah. There's no poll. It's, it's meritocracy. what man. you do gets you ranked. So looking forward to that. Also looking forward to showing you a deep blue special with BYU basketball senior forward Zach Selyus. What a start to his career. Seemingly could not miss from the three-point line, but he's now been asked to do very different things for this BYU basketball program. What's his story? We go deep blue with Zach Selyus. When Zach was recruited, 
um, to BYU. One of the coaches at the time was Coach Pope. I was in a gym in Las Vegas during the summer recruiting period. In these tournaments, you've got all the parents, and then on one side, all the college coaches that are recruiting are, are sitting there. They're separated from everybody. Team was getting crushed in the first half. Second half, he gets it going. Hit one, two, three, four threes. They're making an incredible comeback. He hits five. He hits number six. And Zach hit a three-pointer in the corner to tie the game. And right when he hit it, I could not even control myself. I stood up right there. You're sitting with all the coaches. I lost my mind. Stood up. I raised my hands. I'm like three. I think that's illegal recruiting. Hands it over to Toulson. Back to Zach. Back for three more. Yes. He is like the hardest fighter I've ever met. So if something is hard or difficult, he'll be sad for two seconds and then clean up and say, let's go do something, like what's next? He is so hungry and driven to win right now. It's all he wants to do, he just wants to win. He wants to come play well for his guys. He does not think he's perfect. He's very humble in the sense of his skills and he's always looking to improve himself. Zach's good note isn't necessarily that I'm the leading scorer, I'm the, the leading rebounder. His is that he's done what it's take to win and contribute to the team. I served a mission in Des Moines, Iowa. It was called to serve and I had a shoulder injury and had to come home early after 10 months. Coming home was kind of hard. It was hard to, you know, manage with people who judge you and people who kind of tell you, why didn't you just stay? Why didn't you fight through it? I was able to find myself and to be able to still do the missionary work when you're not a set apart as a missionary and to be able to, you know, be the best person you can be. And I've been able to help people understand that, you know, there's people that have done this, people that have come home all the time, and you know, it isn't the worst thing in the world. You're not disappointing anyone. You know, you're just going out and doing the best you can, and you can still do that every day. And so it's been awesome and like life-changing experience. During that time, coming home early for my mission, I had the opportunity to meet my wife. My cousin was really good friends with one of his roommates, and she was like, you remind me of this guy, I wanna set y'all up. And I was like, I'm good, I don't really wanna date. And I guess he had gone through a lot recently and he wasn't about dating. The rest is history, and she was able to help me through hard times, and especially during that time of me coming home early and going through all that you know, stress. I could tell that there were some things going on that I didn't completely understand. I'm a very positive person, and I think just my positivity was beneficial for him. I think sometimes when we're in those dark places, we need someone to remind us that even though life's hard, we can keep going, and, and he was fine. My wife hasn't been a huge sports person growing up. She's from Austin, Texas, and was more into the arts and crafts and everything kind of with that. She's an awesome singer. Before we were even dating, Zach asked me to come to one of his basketball games. He gave me tickets to sit with us in the family section, but I did not know that this was the family section. 
at halftime, I get a tap on my shoulder and it was his mom and dad were sitting behind us the whole entire time. And so I was so embarrassed. I was like, I swear if they heard me talk about anything basketball, they're never gonna let me date their son. They were super kind and the next game I sat with them and they helped me understand everything. And now I like to think that I know something about basketball, a lot more than I did though in that first game. They have such a love for each other that it's, I don't think it's hard to give up a little bit of what you love to bring in what the other person loves. She knows what basketball takes and what it takes to be a college basketball player and knows that I may be gone a few days and everything like traveling and she's just so supportive and it's been awesome. When I think back of Zach, I think one of my first memories is when I was coaching girls basketball and he'd always have a basketball in his hand and he'd sit with me on the bench at the games. I loved going to practice with him even though I was probably around two or three years old. I wanted to be with him. And I think that's where our you know, first bonding connection started was, you know, back at that point. My dad is my hero. He's always been kind of like my best friend. In a lot of ways, I can say he's my hero. Because um, he is, exemplifies a lot of the qualities and values that you want in life. If somebody says something to him negative about another person, he never responds back negatively. He either avoids it or he turns it into a positive. And to me, that's unique for a lot of people in today's day and age. You know, still to this day, we go and watch jazz games and we watch games on TV. And I hope I can be a dad just like him. You know, I just love like how he is and how he's raised me and my family. And you know, he's just always been a hero of mine. Zach Salius, our deep blue special on BYU Sports Nation. I really have enjoyed this new trend that we've started at BYU TV with these deep blue pieces. They're great. Trust me, Mango Media, Travis, Alex Moore, Landon Moore, uh, I, I work with them. They do all the work. Uh, flies past me, goes to post-production. Now, they've done an amazing job. Yeah. And by the way, Zach and his wife this week on Instagram announced they are pregnant with their first child. Outstanding. So, congratulations to them. That's very exciting. I think they said something like, we're going to be more than just dog parents now. <laughs> <laughs> Holding their dog. <laughs> Which is awesome. Oh, so uh, yes. If it's a boy and it comes out with a mustache, that's going to be really funny. Coming up, <laughs> Love Hippo validates his nickname. Plus our and one <clears throat> picks. Do they feature Zach Salius and three-point shooting? Oh, this snap. is BYU Sports Nation. Why we pay the box, man. A tease. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. And we say it a lot, but it's true. You can download the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. They are free. Do we need to give you any other reason? It's free. It's free. Just do it. Okay, no. And we need to do our and one picks for tonight's BYU basketball game. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. Here's how it works. We each make two picks. The first is worth two. If we get that one right, then we have an opportunity to earn a bonus point a la free throw after a made basket. And one picks now. For me, Jerem, number one, I'm actually going to up this a little bit. BYU will shoot, I said, 39% or better from three as a team. It's going to be 40% or better tonight. Okay. 40% or better as a team tonight from three. There shall be an amendment. T. 
TJ Haas will have seven plus assists tonight. At 14 and zero turnovers on Saturday, which was unbelievable. That, that was almost an historic performance. Yeah. yeah, I'll take half. Seven would be another great performance. Seven plus assists tonight. Okay, my two pointer. BYU by 17 plus. Yeah, I'm doing it. <laughs> Vegas Give says, me some of that. And one. Vegas says 15. Ken Pump says 18. So okay. I feel like I'm right. Okay. There. My and one pick. Colby Lee was scoring double figures. I think this is a game where he gets at the rim. And he scores at least 10. Big Idaho. Oh, Big Idaho. Connor Harding yesterday. I call him Big Idaho. Coming through. He can call him that because they're both from Idaho. Right. Yeah. And I was born in Idaho, so I can call him that too. So there you go. You have the right Mountain Home Air Force Base. All right. You're you're putting 17 plus to the test. Now, what if BYU wins by 16? (laughs) Then I don't get it. That's simple math, right? I didn't take... I didn't take no math class at BYU, but I know that math. Uh, <laughs> the scores right now, I have 22 points on the season. Jaron with 20. And yeah. then are we still announcing no. Jason's score? No, we're not. He's not even trying. Yoli Childs told Jason Shepard, your New Year's resolution should be to make better in one pick. <laughs> that happened. That happened. Believe it. Oh, that's outstanding. Yoli's correct. Okay. Basketball out for the moment into our question of the day, which is centered on BYU football. Will the 2020 BYU football schedule be easier than the 2019 schedule? Hope so. Mm. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Bradley Perkins answers on Facebook. More difficult overall, but better balanced. One more power five than last season. Isn't it two more? There are six power fives. And only one real cupcake from the non-power fives, with mm-hmm. the rest being solid competition. And this is the issue. Uh, balance is, is something we want, right? But four power fives to start, why? I don't so know like that that's balanced, right? <laughs> well, balance just meaning there's not a crappy November True. situation, yeah. right? It's more um, enjoyable. Boise State, uh, St- uh, you know, Stanford, San Diego State, all in the back half, which is nice. A couple of uh, nice ones. Our Ryzen shout-out goes to Aleva Hifo. There's a video that came out. He's holding weights. I don't know if they're 5 pounds, 10 pounds, or whatever, but probably 5. And he and he crouches down and gets up in the air, and this man can fly! They he call has him Alevitate. Alevitate. He validates that nickname in this move. If you can't see it, uh, go to BYSN.com, watch the show. Maybe we'll, we'll tweet it out. This is amazing. Look at this man fly in the air! Yes, the slow-mo is incredible. And also, you know what? Let's let's wish the best of luck to all of the BYU football players training for the NFL yeah, Combine or the BYU Combine to get into the NFL. A lot of these guys aren't in school, so they can focus 100% on football, so good luck to those guys. Yeah, that video is awesome. Was that, was that shot with the iPhone 11 Pro? Oh, my gosh. Is this a sponsorship <laughs> opportunity? <laughs> our thanks to today's guest, Zach Selyus, for our Deep Blue special. Yeah. And sorry to Dennis Pitter, we ran out of time. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Nancy Selyus. Are you going to Spokane this year, by the way? No. You should. Let's get you on a flight. Okay, let's do it. Go Cougs. Go Cougs.